Back to Old School with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back. Uh, we'll do a quick segment here, and then we'll jump right back on time. Right, Austin? That we need or not? Uh, we can do a long one. Oh, okay. We'll go, go to 45. We'll, we'll go to We're 45. Oh, you guys are lucky. We're good. You're right. Yeah, so... Again, uh, I want to thank Bill Mishner from the Lighthouse stopping in. Big event tomorrow, 515 to 715. You can donate to uh, lincolnlighthouse.org or look them up on uh, Venmo at uh, Lighthouse and you will see Bill's picture. $100 to sponsor a kid. They need 10 more, 9 more, because I'm going to do one and uh, do one more. And uh, look forward to uh, possibly reaching that goal, but then also seeing all the kids tomorrow. But we had breaking news. We had so many great guests in, you know, from we had Greg Smith on the line from Rivals. Um, Christy Jensen, right? Uh, Erica Jensen, Erica Jensen, Erica Jensen. Yep. Uh, for the chocolate season. Um, and then we had Bill Michener, but we had breaking news. Tyler Van Dyke, the former projected possible first round pick his sophomore year, I think, uh, where when he really jumped, burst on the scene for the University of Miami first year, Mario Cristobal had a phenomenal year, has great arm talent, had a little bit of the injury bug this year, um, and also dealing with the expectations so forth and so on. Jumped in the transfer portal for his last year, and he's heading to the Big Ten. And he's heading to Madison, Wisconsin. Big get for uh, the Badgers. Definitely an upgrade if he stays healthy mm-hmm. over Mordecai, and he could fit right into that. Um, was it Phil Longo? Yeah, it Phil Longo. Phil Longo's mm-hmm. kind of run-and-shoot offense. And if Wisconsin is able to surround him with some skill position guys, um, it'll be one, a great one-year w- rental for uh, the Badgers. So that makes the road even tougher for Nebraska, but um, I think we're in a good position ourselves, right? I expected more from Mordecai last season. Yeah, Maybe I shouldn't have, but maybe I should have seen, you know, the receivers weren't quite as good. Right. Um, I think they need more guys at that position, and then they went away from Braille and Allen at times. They didn't really open up their pass game very well, kind of in that middle part of the season. So when they rediscovered Braille now and let Will Pauling cook a little bit, um, Dyke wasn't DK. Yeah, wasn't DK was. Yeah, he was good. He was fine, but but wasn't <sighs> explosive. He was a volume receiver. Yeah, it was like ten yards. I have a he'd have a hundred yards on like ten catches. Right. So it, nothing really explosive. He was um, fine. I, yeah. I think Van Dyke's better, but I think they have to make sure they get better at the skill positions around him. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, you know the day and age, and so we're we're gonna you know be in the we're gonna you know dive heavy into this transfer portal. Here's what's funny right here. Whereas this is how funny that the the difference in the programs that let's say, um, on how they go about stuff. Right, where mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, um, there's a lot of turnover at the University of Colorado. Right, their offensive coordinator gets a head coaching job. He takes the offensive line coach, which I don't think it's a big loss because their offensive line was horrible. The defensive end coach uh, leaves for, I think, Syracuse or somewhere like that. He hires Warren Sapp and uh, loses uh, Tim Brewster, maybe to possible retirement, and he was one of their big recruiters. So all is the sky has fallen in Boulder. And him and Tracy Edmonds break up. It was just a bad week for Dion. Mm-hmm. Well, Dion likes a bad week because he had a really good weekend. I'm looking at the rankings of the of the guys of the transfer they have transfer rankings. Right. Know? Colorado's number one. Again. Again. They okay, six, they, they got six commits. They got two four-stars and four three-stars just out of this weekend. Obviously, majority of them were offensive line. 
<laughs> offensive line. This is one thing about Dion. He said, he said, listen, he said, what are you going to go get? Line men. Men. Yes. <laughs> so, well, it, the, all those transfer guys and the number one offensive tackle. Yeah. Got a five star IMG. Yeah. So that's actually should be even more, but he's a high school kid mm-hmm. who probably will come in and play significant minutes uh, right away. And he looks the part too. Yeah. Great looking athlete. But, uh, you know, they got one receiver and they got a tight end and then the rest were offensive linemen. So they, they are, uh, you know, been very active. The interesting thing is a lot of the guys that have left Colorado, the only one that has went anywhere is the interior offensive lineman Van Wells. He was probably their best offensive lineman. He jumped in the portal and he's at Oregon State now. So um, as far as the other teams ranking, we'll just look at the Big Ten teams mm-hmm. um, in this transfer portal. Look, the team that moved the fastest in the Big Ten quarterback-wise was Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They're ranked number six. Guess who's number seven? Number seven will be... Well, Nebraska doesn't have anyone in. Yeah, nobody, yep. So, getting... Is it Wisconsin after Van Dyke? Yep, Wisconsin <laughs> is. Um, they're number seven. And then guess who's all, surprising number nine? Obviously, they're not going to get a lot of fanfare. Is Purdue? Rutgers. Oh, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue has four Ooh. commits. Yeah, four. Even commits. though they just lost uh, their leading receiver for yeah, this year, yeah, Oklahoma. I mean, he's, for Oklahoma, and that's mm-hmm. a huge loss. Uh, mm-hmm. Considering that he was a second team uh, All Big Ten and definitely an NFL guy, and obviously mm-hmm. he's looking to go down to Oklahoma and prosper not only at the University of Oklahoma's wide open system. Or uh, what was a wide open system, but then in, in a, on a huge state stage in the, in the SEC, so that's mm-hmm. that's huge. And you got Illinois; they have two commits, and there's not a, a lot of meat to these uh, rankings yet because guys are just starting in the process. And this is the transfer portal uh, rankings, but you know we'll see. You know it's a it's a uh, daily thing, hourly thing, and um, you know it's interesting that uh, you know how when you you try to match up where teams are recruiting wise versus their transfer portal. Georgia didn't have any, you know, transfer portal guys, mm-hmm. but their number one recruiting class followed by Ohio state as far as high school kids. Ohio state has the most five stars, five of them. They're trying to reload. That's maybe that's why all those guys are in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but oh, I think no. that speaks to what Greg was saying in our very first segment of the show. Yeah. Right. That those best programs go identify the best talent out of high school, keep them in their program specifically train them how they want them trained, coach them how they want them coached for a couple of years. Then they burst on the scene. And if a guy doesn't work out, if a guy gets hurt, if you know something family-wise pops up and he has to leave, well, you're going to be an attractive destination for transfers yeah. regardless. But if you can do it yourself through high school recruiting and, and augment and amplify through the portal, right. that's why these teams are where they're at. Yeah, I mean, you got to develop and do that stuff. You got almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers where they were never really big players in free agency um, they usually drafted guys, developed them. They got through a second contract, mm-hmm. and then they, when they got a little bit older, and you had a young guy, you know, coming up the pipe, then you know the older guy ended up going somewhere else. When you look at Joey Porter coming up the pipe, and Jason Gilden leaving after like ten or twelve years, and then you know Chad Brown and those guys were leaving, and that's the way they were able to uh, reload instead instead of rebuild. And so it will be, uh, you know, interesting to see, you know, how Nebraska continues to look at the transfer portal. But then also uh, how they're able to do attack the rest of this, you know, recruiting mm-hmm. um, period, because who knows what can happen. Things can change commitments, decommitments, um, and somebody might come loose where you just say, you know, what, we can't pass up on this guy. 
you might lose one that you weren't expecting, but then if there is someone out there that right. you say, we have to go get him, you will find a way to make room for a talented player. I believe Matt Rule when he says that he wants to be loyal to the guys that he has, that he wants to develop that way. But at the same time, he's not dumb. Yeah. You know, he talked one way about the quarterback position during the season, but the actions that he's taken the quarterback position in the offseason tell us something, you know, different. Yeah. It, may, it might be the same message, and we believe in these guys, but it's just a different course of action. So if there's a guy out there, Matt Rule can love the roster all he wants, but you know what he loves more than a good roster? Is a good roster full of good football players? Yeah, I mean it's it's look he's new. I mean obviously he's, he's been here a little bit over a year. Um, you know he, he got to you know learn his roster. You know what you know what he went into uh, games with last year. So he's able to see how they work, how they react to adversity. You know are they really Big Ten players? Are they Nebraska players? So forth and so on. Um, and then also that will help them go out there and recruit. But then I think one of the things that I saw a quote of somebody talking about Matt Rule and stuff where they're, where they're able to, you know, I would say in soft quotations, keep people happy based on the lines of communication and being very transparent. You know, if you want a good example of, you know, obviously the rumors were coming about, about Dylan Rayola coming in town. They picked up the phone and called Danny Kalen. Say, look, we're going to honor our commitment to you. And, and, and I will tell you this, this is my personal experience, right? Just from me. Um, I, I, I was, I guess, recruited as an athlete, you know, out of Minnesota. I don't know. I don't know if we even had rankings back then. There was something. And, you know, I don't know what I was nationally. You know, I was just happy dudes coming to the crib. I mean, <laughs> once I knew I was going to college, I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah I was like, y'all stuck with me. So just, I got to get an education. Well, anyways, you know, then I come. Never played linebacker before. Um, kind of like, you know, I know I wasn't going to play wing back. I ain't diving on the ground doing that stuff. Like. You know, I'm too pretty for it. Now, just playing. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that. I was there. I didn't think I was good enough, you know, to play running back at at any point in time, which would have been. I felt like it was a way. I never played really defense before. You know, Coach Darlington was like, "Nah, you ain't good enough to play DB," which I definitely d- didn't. He you didn't know. like those slew footed guys. No, did he, he didn't, man. I think that was it, man. He he, you know, he was he was you know, he didn't like it. He didn't appreciate it, but. The funny thing about it, Nebraska didn't recruit a linebacker, and Kevin Steele was bored. This is, this is essentially this is essentially what happened. Yeah, I mean, look, if you guys want, I'll be most you're, people, you're the two by fours in a pile. Listen, the garage. most people have this beautiful experience or whatever. I have no problem telling people. Kevin Steele was bored. He had nobody to coach, and Coach Samuel, Tony Samuel, I love Coach Samuel because he saw he saw past the slew footage. He saw past the, past the skinny kid, knock knee, big calves, you know, walk funny. And he saw past that. Might have looked at a couple of games. I played two games at safety, and that's how I got my scholarship. But ultimately, Kevin Steele didn't have anybody to coach. And this is when the freshmen used to come in. We'd have three or four days of practices to kind of get you up to snuff. Pretty much so you stayed out of the way when the varsity came in. And so Grant Wistrom, I got my man Travis Toline. Uh, T-Time, Tolene, what's up, my man? Mike Rucker, those were the three defensive ends. And then we had, so Coach Samuel was busy with them. You got three of them. So they were going to try me out at, like, Sam linebacker before, and I never played linebacker before. The only time I ever played linebacker is I would throw the pillow up and act like I was Dick Buckus and hit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I learned how to hit. And so Kevin Steele, you know, 
work with me until you know it started and i had never done it before so i took a you know liking to it and uh it definitely was i needed to develop you know i was way behind never lifted weights or anything so i was fine with red shirt and so i got my butt kicked for majority of my without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My first year going against, you know, one of the greatest offensive lines of all time. But once I started to be able to sur- survive, I was like, it can't get any worse. You know, there was, look, there's about 10 times I thought about quitting. One time I actually had my car packed up and I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. My dad was like, you ain't coming here. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> and I barely knew how to get back and forth. So, um, and then, so I go through spring, you know, never took any time off because I had to get bigger, end up winning the spot, you know, through the spring, had a really good spring and spring game guys ahead of me that were, you know, six guys ahead of me, you know, some I beat out, some had other things they liked and, you know, didn't make the sacrifice. So I'm thinking I'm going to start. Well, next thing you know, Nebraska recruit, this is how it's kind of, you know, whether it's Danny Kalen or or even Dylan Rayola first McCord, is that they recruited the number one linebacker in the nation, a guy by the name of Tony Ortiz from Waterbury, Connecticut. He was, a, at this time, he was a USA Today All-American. He had won state track in the 100, um, in the 200, ran for, it seemed like, 5,000 yards. He was like Bo Jackson up there. I mean, he was, and he was, Supposed to be 6'2", 210 or something like that. You know, a lot was of... Tra- no, no, <laughs> no. He was fast, though. Um, But he was a linebacker, though. And, and, and so, you know, I'd heard, you know, through the grapevine that Coach Samuel was like, yeah, he's going to come in and start, right? And so right then you feel like... It, and I understand where, you know, where Daniel Kalen or even like Dylan being the number one guy, you like someone's coming in to compete. And you and there's a big party where you think like, okay, I've worked hard to get somewhere. Why is this next? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why me? You know what I mean? Or you know, well, you don't a, get a chance to say you've arrived, right? Because there's always well, something yeah, else well, you, coming. Well, you kind of think you've arrived because I was the, I won the position in spring, won it all summer, and then you're going to start this freshman kid, the high school kid, which Coach Samuel, you know, recruited him. And that's all I heard about it. You know, Tony, you know, those things, all Tony Ortiz. And, you know, I was never scared of no man, you know, or nothing like that. But you just, you, 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 you're, you're fearful of, will you get beat out? Uh, is he better than you? Cause you don't know. Right. Um, all that stuff. And right? the fear of your work going to waste. Right. That's the most important thing. Like, and then you, then as the anger comes in, then you want to blame everybody. Now I remember having the same conversation with my dad. My dad was like, what you scared of, man? He's like, it's football. And I'm like, yeah, but he's like, ain't no buts. It's football. It's just, yeah. And he's like, you ain't giving nothing to nobody. You know, then we went into the whole thing and like, you know, look, you a foreman, dude. You Then he went into like, do you know what your grandfather had to go through? You know what I'm saying? Then he was, I was like, then he started, then he was like, you know, you got to believe in yourself. Right. And that's where the thing comes in. So. As far as like, you know, I'm not going to speak for Daniel Kalen. I could speak to him. I say, look, dude, you wanted to come to Nebraska for a reason. It will work out with you at some point or work out for you at some point in time. 
It might not be as early as you what you want as you want, but it might be a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, I started my whole freshman started all four years here, but started my freshman year, split time, frustrated with that, had this position change. So you started again, and I had the same I've had I had older guys like Phil Ellis, um, Clint Brown, who's uh who's a defensive coach at Kansas or offensive coach now at Kansas State. He was a lot older guy, had the same conversation with me, seeing the forest through the trees. Like, be patient. You're a good player. Your time will come. That's no that's no different than I would tell Dylan. And then go out there and compete. Because how that helped me, to be honest with you, is when I got to Buffalo. Same thing. Late round draft choice, kind of the throw in. They were like, dude. We didn't think you were going to be here. We really don't got a spot for you, but we'll let you try to make a way. That's literally what Wade said to me. We like you. We didn't think you were going to be there, but we had to pick you, right? We were hoping – pretty much the one time he told us, we were hoping somebody else picked you, so now we actually got to – Dang it, we have to take him now. Now we got to, like, figure out how we could possibly keep you. So Not the I, number one guy on our board right now. No, Dang. but they had depth. They had starters and backups there, and – you got to make your way, and so you go the hard way. I was able to draw back on this experience at Nebraska to make it through my first training camp, make the team, make a name for yourself in the middle of the season, got, get your chance, right? And then you have a good second year and then have a decent third year. The next thing you know, here comes Greg Williams. You know, they draft Corey Moore, you know, um, and I was more ready for that type of competition. It was, it was a difference in the mindset of instead of what was me, it's like bring it on. And he ain't better than me. Cause that's that so really for those kids out there, even the guys that are different positions on the team, embrace the competition because I can tell you what, there's not a coach out there that uh will bench or not play a guy that can play. Normally. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen seen it before. Unless it's entirely overtly political or financial. Right, yes. And that's fine because you have to deal with it. But if you can play, you will always find a place to play. And so and playing football, you can have a big impact. Maybe not at your position, but you have an impact at, say, special teams or in the return game if you're a skillful guy. Then next thing you know, they have to play you. Uh, I think the ultimate equalizer is being on that travel roster. Mm. All of a sudden, you look a lot prettier, a lot, a lot more faster. They start to accentuate and appreciate what you do um, because you got to travel, what, 75, right? Versus yep. unlimited. Seems mm-hmm. like 105 or 175 mm-hmm. here. So there is a plan and a process for everybody. You just have to be patient. And let me tell you something like this. Tom Brady didn't really, Tom Brady split time, fair or not, right, uh, in Michigan, and he's the greatest of all time. Now, I grew up or you know watching Tom Brady and appreciating him. I will say that that Lloyd Carr might be, you know, you know, ex, you know, take credit for it. it was, Drew Henson was nowhere as good as Tom Brady. But he had to believe he was. Yeah, he had. But if you go back and listen to Tom Brady, he had a conversation, I think, with Lloyd Carr or one of his coaches. Is like, you're talking about everybody else. We need to focus on what you're doing. Every rep has to be a winning rep. So when he got in the game, a lot of the times, the deck stacked against him. Essentially, Drew Henson and them messed up, and here comes Brady and got to, you know, bring us back. And he did. He got confidence twice. Confidence that he could do it, but confidence he could face adversity and win. Well, what did Tom Brady do? Trust me, I saw it all the time. Okay, Austin. You can't get knew, away from it. Listen, we played these dudes in Houston when they beat Carolina. There's the year they beat Carolina in the Super Bowl. Shouldn't have. I, yeah, should have or not. Hey, listen, 
we played these dudes as best as we could. Me and Jamie Sharper and our defense played good. We held them to, I think, 21 points, and they end up beating us in overtime. And we were very, you know, we had a good stat game. And we played them, stopped them on overtime, um, had the ball, we got the ball back for it, we got, made them punt, and turnover. Within, <laughs> it was within striking distance. And even though you like sudden change, you going out there, when you know that man's over there, you cannot make a mistake. Like, you can't make the even the like the smallest mistake with Brady. It's even how you break the huddle. Do you get the check in? And you know what happened? We used to run this de- defense like cover four, which was kind of like a, a cover four. It was cover four, but when we got closer to the red zone, we'd run it like a matchup zone mm-hmm. in basketball. Yeah. So it's it's hard. You're 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 you know like I would like uh, I would bang on the tight end and drive hard on any underneath route. You know what I'm saying? Or I would you know push number two out to the flat and make sure I'm I, I'd cut to number one. I mean it is quick, right? And you <laughs> and my man we had a safety named Eric Eric Brown. I call him Wolfman because he. He said his his fur coat was chinchilla. I always said, man, that looked like some dead skunk because when he'd walk, it would kind of look funny. But he said it was chinchilla. Did it smell funny? Yeah, no, it didn't. It was smooth looking. Okay. He and he had a hat with it. He was looking, <laughs> but we call him Wolf Man. We was like, that's that's Wolf fur, right? So we we was always banging on each other, and we, it what happened was is the guy we, our uh, Reggie Herring used to signal it in. It was after a TV timeout, right? So the guy that was kind of winding the clock to get ready to go was in the way. So I knew what it was because I knew what we would do, run down there. The Tony Odin, who's actually defensive back coach for the Jets, was blocked out. So when we ran, you know, cover four and we'd call it cut, that's it. Well, we didn't cut. And guess who cut us? Brady. Game. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, long story short, short. Lloyd Carr and whatever you did to Brady came back to bite me multiple times. Matter of fact, Brady threw this pass to Kevin Falk on me one time. I thought I was Dion out there locking up. I thought I was going to backpedal. He back back shouldered me, man. And then he talked junk to me too. I got him Brady back. Brady or Kevin Falk? Brady did. Kevin nah. Falk, well, Kevin Falk was dancing somewhere. <laughs> Brady, right. Brady like stared me down though. And told you he threw that ball back well, shoulder he and you ain't got th- nothing. Oh, I was hot. I was hot, man. I, did I, you ever get to hit him? Yeah, I sacked Brady. And then nice. I shook I shook him one. Here's the thing about Brady. Here's the funny thing. So he did that to me. I was in Buffalo. I know that. And you know, I thought I had a decent game, and I was I was wolfing a little bit. You know, I ain't really care. What I care, you know what I'm saying? I kind of knew they weren't going to bring me back or something or whatever. I was wolfing big. <laughs> so they used to run this thing. This we ran man in the in the red zone. So Kevin Falk is a problem, mm-hmm. but I felt like a matchup with him, and I'd guarded him pretty good you know throughout the game well they motioned him a lot of times when they motioned the, the running back all the way out there the receiver they're trying to throw it to somebody else you know uh, so i thought try to get the tell and so they must have, so yeah. they must have they, again this dude got slew foot right <laughs> so i knew what was going to happen and i knew he would he would he kind of used to run like a slant and go you know like a little quick slant and go so mm-hmm. i was sitting on it right if you run a slant we got safety there so when he did a slant and kind of go, I was too high on him. He ran back shoulder on him, and I was just hot, dejected, mad. And Brady just was staring at me and just shaking his head, <laughs> shaking his head. 
So a couple years later, we played in Houston the same game, and uh, we got him, and uh, me and Seth Payne hit him. So Seth Payne has him on the side, and Brady was trying to get up, and I was shaking him. <laughs> I was shaking him and cussing at him or whatever, and he just looked at me like dead face. I was like, man, that dude got the dog in him. You know, he, he, he didn't get intimidated, though. But uh, anyways, for all the recruits out there and all the guys on the team, um, never run from competition. Go ahead and embrace it, you know, and uh, it definitely will work out for you. So anyways, um, we're going to go to break, come back, and uh, have a short segment before we turn it over to Amon Green at 6 o'clock. Jay Foreman in Austin. We'll be right back. You're listening to Old School with DP and Jay. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.